that, anyway, we're really excited to have you, Fred. Um, Fred is a, a good friend of, of Andy Aran. We're really grateful that uh, Andy was able to hook us up and um, welcome Fred in. Uh, Fred comes with a really rich uh, history uh, professionally. Um, you know, started out as a teacher, ended up finding his way into the life insurance uh, agency for many years, working at um, New York Life, one of the um, you know, top 100, uh, Fortune 100 companies in the country. Uh, really neat uh, history um, and experience as uh, president of, of New York Life. Uh, what I'm most fascinated about Fred is life after retirement and this next phase that he's in. Uh, excited to hear more about the ministry and the life that God's called him into. Uh, he's been writing uh, and authored three books. We're excited to hear about that. And the topic today, which he's going to get into, is about um, a career of, cons of uh, consequence. And as you enter into your career and your calling, um, you know, how might God guide you? Uh, so with that, why don't we welcome Fred Seifert. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you for that inspiring music as well. I, I thought that was wonderful. And uh, especially that closing prayer. It, it may have been more significant in regard to my second book, uh, which was about people in crisis, but it's, it's meaningful for all of us. Um, and I, I'm not going to talk a lot. This book, Fast Starting a Career of Consequence, that's the title of my book. The subtitle is uh, Practical Christ-Centered Advice for Entering or Re-Entering the Workforce. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the book. What I want to talk more about is the providential uh, influence of God during the course of this whole book journey. So if you go to the next slide, we'll get started on that. Um, this is an outline what I'm going to cover quickly. Uh, I was with you guys when after I wrote my, my first book. Some of you may have been at that meeting. <clears throat> I appeared in person. It was before the pandemic. And, uh, you know, I told you a bit about my faith journey. I'm going to talk about that very briefly, my retirement pursuits, uh, quickly the genesis and themes of the three books. But I'm going to spend most of my time really on this Roman numeral for God's presence on the journey, because more than any other book, I felt felt God palpably influencing this one. Um, and I'll, I, if we have time, I'll just mention some of the biblical principles and the business tips that are in the book itself. If you go to the next slide, a little about my faith journey. Uh, I told it my first time I visited with you guys, but I, I was not raised in a worshiping Christian family. Um, but what started me along this journey in my own faith experience was a mystical adolescent experience I had at age 12, where I was sort of in my bed contemplating some deep theological questions, which I didn't know were theological at the time, you know, about God and Christ and the Trinity and creation and so forth. And I palpably felt God's presence. It, it, was, it was like an out-of-body experience. And I really felt God's presence saying to me, yes, I'm here. I will be with you always. And answers to your questions will come in time. And that gave me kind of an enduring faith to learn more, to learn more about Christ and, and to come to Christ shortly thereafter. And then, you know, throughout my career, I was involved with my church, but I did feel that my... Uh, spiritual development education were, were somewhat deficient because of the, uh, the intensity of my work life. And I retired early to pursue a lifelong dream, which was to go to divinity school. So let's go to the next slide. 
<clears throat> Let me tell you a little bit about this. My passion really throughout my career was to positively impact the lives of others. And, um, you know, it started when I, when I went off to the Yale Divinity School, that, that passion sort of changed into a calling. And I went, I went to Divinity School at age 59. And I'll, I'll tell you about my first day at school. Uh, I was leaving my home in Connecticut. My adult daughter was visiting us. And as I walked out the front door, she yelled out, Dad, don't forget to play nice with the other kids and share. Well, you know, that was funny at the time, but it actually was quite profound because my experience at Yale really was about spiritual sharing. Uh, you, you probably all know Yale's a, a very liberal institution. And I used to kid them and say, you know, I'm probably the most conservative guy on campus since William F. Buckley Jr. Um, but you know what? It, it, it didn't matter. I mean, I, I love the experience. I love the engagement with the faculty, the staff, and even the administration and the other students. And I, I don't know how many of you guys tell yourself, I'm happy right now. I'm really happy. And I, I said that every day as I sat in those classes at Yale. Um, and I was asked after I graduated to write an article for the uh, Wealth Channel magazine about retirement planning. And I, I chose, the, I'm sure they expected me to talk about financial planning given my background, but I spent much more talk, much, much more time talking about my passions and my faith. And uh, the article was entitled, Happier, Healthier and Younger in Retirement, because that's exactly how I felt in 2013 when I wrote the article. And that's really how I feel today, even 14 years after retiring. Um, I also, and you can see here, following my passion into retirement, the other kinds of things I was doing at the same time I was uh, teaching a business school class at Fairfield University on leadership and strategy. I was on a number of boards. I was mentoring some young executives and I ended up writing three books. So if you go to the next slide, I'm just gonna talk briefly about these books. Um, the first one in the upper left is the one I first wrote, uh, God Revealed, Finding God's Straight, I'm sorry, God Revealed, the subtitle was Re Revisit Your Past to Enrich Your Future. That, the genesis of that was a dinner I had with my daughter when I was telling her a lot of stories. And, and she said to me at the end, you know, dad, you probably told thousands of New York life agents and employees those stories. And many of them you didn't even tell, to, haven't even told to your own family. And that hit me pretty hard. And she said, you ought to uh, memorialize those in writing. And that's when I, that was the genesis of the book. The book really has 31 encounters uh, with God over the course of my life. To the right of that is the second book I wrote, Grace Revealed, fi uh, Finding God's Strength in Any Crisis. This, after doing a lot of interviews and presentations, particularly small groups and groups like yours, um, I heard stories, you know, by me telling my story, it gave people permission to tell me theirs. And I heard all these stories about people in crisis and, you know, they were quite compelling. And I decided I have to write another book. And the common, the common theme for every one of the stories that made it into the book was people in severe crisis who then cried out to the Lord, uh, realized God's grace and went into Christian service. So there, there are only 19 stories, but uh, 
you know, it, it's a very interesting book to read those stories. And, and the uh, 700 Club actually picked up two of them and sent a video crew out and did featured videos on, on each of those two stories. And they let me know later that after those stories were told, they had in each case more than 8,000 calls for prayers following the uh, broadcast of those stories. Uh, I'm gonna hold off on the third book till we get a little later, but the, it's the one we uh, I most recently wrote, Fast Starting a Career of Consequence. So let's go to the next slide. And, and this slide, here's where I'm gonna focus most of my time in this presentation is, is God's presence on this journey. Uh, I mean, it's just remarkable. And I, I wanna talk to you about those kinds of providential things that occurred uh, during this experience. Next slide. Um, the third book, uh, Fast Starting a Career Consequence. Um, let me tell you about the genesis of that book. My daughter, Dina, had graduated from college. She uh, had trouble finding a job. The market was tough. And she ended up getting a job in the uh, marketing department of a very large global cosmetic company. And she came to me, you know, a few months later and said, Dad, I really need to get some advice on how I can get noticed, how I can develop this as a career. And, you know, what can you tell me? So I took that very seriously. I thought long and hard about how, who I might notice in the company as president of New York Life, even deep down in the organization. I prayed a lot about it. I gave her five tips that proved to be very valuable to her. And um, as a result, I, I ended up writing an article about it, published an article. I did some three commencement addresses where I talked about the tips and got very positive feedback. And uh, oddly enough, marketwatch.com, which I'm sure most of you are familiar with, very huge blog. They have something like 20 million visitors uh, each month to their blog. They got a hold of me and they said, we love your five tips, but we'd like you to expand upon tip number five. And I'll, I'll talk about that later in this presentation. So I did that and they published it uh, quite a few months ago. And um, my literary agent, who I hadn't spoken to in a while, saw it. He gave me a call and he said, Fred, you know, you've got another book here. And I, I said, I hadn't thought of that, but, you know, I, I guess you're right. And I'll give it some thought. And I said, but, you know, I'm going to have to talk about my faith in the book. And he said, of course, it's in your DNA. So let's go to the next slide. Um, the... Uh, this is what I really want to talk about. The passion about impacting people's lives in a positive way so, suddenly really became a calling for me and a, and a real blessing for me. I tell people now that I view my long career as, as a mere prologue to what I'm doing today, and that's writing and speaking about my faith. And this book in particular was really a blessing to write because it integrates my faith and my business experience. There's chapters on biblical principles in a workplace and there's and other chapters on these business. These chapters talk about business and the business. Next slide. Yeah, now I, I wanna talk about some of these providential experiences. First is when my pub, I talked to my publisher in late 2020 
And uh, we were we were finalizing the nature of the book and all kinds of aspects, you know, the cover design and so forth. And they said to me, it was a team of people from the publisher and included the CEO who was just sort of there to listen and answer any questions. But they said to me, your, your book's gonna release on August 3rd. And I thought, you know, that's, that's eight or nine months away. I said, I really would like to get the book before that. Well, they, they persisted on the August 3rd official release date, but the guy who was the, running the conversation, the call, said to me, but uh, Fred, we're gonna do our best to get you copies of the book in mid to late June. Well, you know, I didn't object to that, but as I'm listening to this, the CEO jumps in because he knew the, the timeliness and the relevance of my book. He jumped in and he said, no, Jim, to the guy who's running the media, he said, no, Jim, we're gonna get this book to Fred in March. And they did, they got it to me in the middle of March. I was able to buy copies at the print cost and, and sell them on my website or you know, through speaking engagements. And they, the reason I'm calling this providential is this was, or a concession, is that the contract I had with the publisher gave them no royalties if I sold the books myself. myself. So they gave me the opportunity to sell these books way in advance of when they were gonna release them. Um, and, and it really was God's hand in this journey. Next slide. The next one um, may be even more phenomenal. And that is, um, I had been retired from New York life for 14 years, as I said, and uh, a guy who was called the managing partner of a sales office, who's running the big sales office in Dallas, got a hold of me, I knew him. He got a hold of me, he said, I heard about your book. I'd like you to speak to my agents. Well, I'm thinking this is a secular company, but you know, I'd love to speak to them. So he set it up and he had something like 300 agents on the Zoom call. And he bought 200 copies of the book himself to give to his agents. And you know, it was a great experience. And then, and then he said, but Fred, I, I have this study group of people like me who are running other offices around the country. 15 other managing partners. And he said, I'd like you to speak to them. Don't go through your whole presentation. Let's just tell them what you do and what you're doing in retirement. So I did, and 13 of those 15 guys, um, and there, there are a couple of women as well, who, who said to me, I want you to present to my office. So I did 13 presentations. Now, an interesting thing that happened as well, is one of those guys, you'll get a kick out of this, anybody who's in a big corporation, one of the guys decided on his own without saying anything to me to submit my slides to the compliance department. Well, I thought, oh, well, you know, the compliance department is going to find all kinds of things wrong with this. I'm not sure they're going to like the Christian aspect of it. You know, but I had faith that they sent it in. The compliance department got back to me with some footnotes they wanted me to add. And they didn't, they didn't change anything else. But more importantly, uh, I got a call a few days later from the guy who runs distribution for all of New York life. And I, when, I, when he left me a voicemail about the call, I thought, oh, here we go, you know, secular company. And it turns out in that call, we had a great conversation. And right at the end, he said, Fred, I just want you to know the CEO and I fully support what you're doing. 
I mean, God's hand was in that. It, it wasn't my doing. <laughs> you know, I, I made no outreach to New York Life whatsoever. And then even more surprising was I'm on the board of CNO, which is a holding company of three insurance companies. Uh, again, a secular organization. And I had a, since I'm, I've been on that board for about 10 years and I was having a one-on-one -on -one call with the CEO, which we did every few months. And he started asking me about the book. I didn't bring it up. And then I told him what I just told you about New York Life. And he says, Fred, I want you to speak to our agents. And you know, I was just astounded by this. And he arranged a Zoom call with 6,000 agents on the Zoom call. So this thing was expanding tremendously. If you could go to the next slide. All right, so marketwatch.com comes back again. They, uh, some, somehow they got a copy of my book. I think my publicist may have sent it to them. They got back to me and they said, um, we want you to write an article, which in effect talks about, uh, first of all, about planning for a career change and what are the considerations one needs to take and then go into some of your business tips for when they actually make the change to a new career. You know, what kind of advice you could give them? And I thought, this is perfect. I didn't even think of this myself. It's, it's the perfect kind of article to write. But they said at the end of that call, uh, Fred, make sure it's totally secular. Well, I thought about objecting to that, but then I thought to myself, you know, my passion is to impact people's lives. So I'll write a secular article. They got 20 million visitors a month. It's going to impact lives. So I wrote the article, submitted it, and they got back to me after I submitted it and said, it's so astounding to us that the president of a Fortune 100 company would retire early and go to divinity school. We want you to talk a little bit about that in the article. So... <laughs> So once again, God's hand uh, was in this. Next slide. Now th this, I'm going back to the beginning when I first started writing the book here, because initially this book was really designed for Christian college students. You know, publishers will always tell you, limit your market to some extent. And, and I, I limited it to Christian college students. I thought that was the best market. Then, you know, as I wrote it and started thinking about the subtitle, I, I decided to put re, not only entering the workforce, but re-entering the workforce, because I wanted it to cover uh, people coming off child rearing years and veterans coming back from the military service. Um, but then COVID hit and, and, you know, suddenly there are millions of people coming off uh, COVID-19 furloughs. And on top of that, the book was available. It didn't release officially until August, but for about four months before that, the Kindle version was up and people could buy the Kindle version. So I, reviews were starting to come in on people who read from people who read the Kindle version. And if you were to go on Amazon.com, I think there's about 60 reviews up there now. Most of them, more than half, easily more than half, talk about how this book is not just for Christians because of the value of the business advice. So what started as Christian college students expanded into other adults, expanded into COVID-19 furloughs, and finally... <laughs> It may be evangelical in the sense that it expanded potentially even the non-Christians who might happen to read the, the portions about the biblical principles. 
So uh, again, I didn't have anything to do with this. All of a sudden, this thing is just exploding. And, and I really feel blessed by, by where the book is today. Next slide. So uh, I want to talk to you uh, about some of the uh, biblical principles in the book. And uh, this is the title, you know, subtitle Practical Christ-Centered Advice for Entering or Reentering the Workforce. So go, go on to the next slide. All right, the book has five, uh, five biblical principles in the workplace. Those are the first five chapters. I'm only gonna talk about one of the five and then, because we won't have time, but I'll show you what the other title chapter titles are. Chapter one, I, I, re I really feel very strongly as I'm sure you do that we all have spiritual gifts and, and the combination of our spiritual gifts is maybe not totally unique, but it's, it's pretty unique. And so I, I, the first chapter's title is Identify and Utilize Your Spiritual Gifts at Work. Um, you know, most of us, most of us, it certainly was my case, spend more than half of our working hours, uh, half of our waking hours at work. And, and, you know, God wants us to use our gifts uh, across all of those aspects of our lives. So what happened here that also was providential is I had been talking to the dean of the business school at the uh, the Houston uh, Houston uh, University, um, and I'm trying to remember it was Houston Baptist University. Yeah, it was Houston Baptist University. A guy named Darren Shear. And we spent some time talking because he heard about the book and he actually had his own publishing company. He wanted to publish the book, but I didn't use him for publishing. But a couple of months later, I was thinking, our church did one of these uh, spiritual assessment tools where there's a little pamphlet with questions you answer and it scores your questions and it tells you what your spiritual gifts are. And I had been through that years before, but it occurred to me, it'd be great if I could put that in the book, but I, I didn't know where to find it. So I called Darren back and I'm explaining to him that I'd like to, to find the author of that book and uh, that pamphlet and ask for permission to use it in my book. And Darren's response was, you have my permission. And I thought, what? He said, I'm the author. I wrote and published that pamphlet. <laughs> So talk about a providential experience. And he gave me permission, it's appendix A in the book. Uh, and a lot of people say they love the fact that that's in the book and it helps them identify their spiritual gifts. Now, my gifts were really st strong faith, leadership and, and a financial acumen. And um, there's a lot in this book of examples of me and how my faith was my spiritual gifts were used in the workplace. If you go to the next slide, um, these are the other four uh, biblical principles in the workplace, acting in concert with your values and beliefs. Chapter three, Jesus as a workplace partner. Chapter four, pray often for guidance from the Holy Spirit. And chapter five, apply the golden rule with coworkers and customers. The reason I bold faced in dark letters, Jesus as a workplace partner, is this was one of those chapters, including chapter one, that people told me was their absolute favorite chapter in the book. And, you know, Jesus as a workplace partner is one that triggers a lot of questions. Uh, I could talk later about that if you want to ask about it, but next slide. Um, 
Now, I expanded the five tips that I gave my daughter into 10 tips, and there are 10 chapters on these fast start tips. I'm going to mention two of them. I think I have time to do that. Um, the, first, the first one chapter is chapter seven in the book, Understand and Embrace the Company's Mission. When I was telling my daughter, Dina, about the tips, I said, Dina, I really want you to focus on the company's mission and memorize it so you can recite it. And she said to me, Dad, you really want me walking around reciting the mission? And I said, no, I don't want you to do that because it'll appear arrogant. But I want you to memorize it so you can recite it because it'll be embedded in your brain. And if it's embedded in your brain, you know, you, you can instantly recall it and you'll be able to assess decisions that are being made by your superiors, by your peers, even your own decisions later as you take on more responsibility. And I say that's important because it really is critical for companies to remain true to their mission. And you know, she, by the way, followed all the tips and did extremely well in, in her employment there. She got several promotions and ended up being a brand manager of this big global uh, cosmetic company. Next slide. Uh, the next tip is uh, chapter 10 in the book. This was tip number five. This was the one that MarketWatch wanted me to expand upon. And it, it, the title of it is under, the title of the chapter is Understand the Financial Underpinnings of the Business. So I said to my daughter, you know, I really want you to develop a high level understanding of the balance sheet and the income statement. And as I started to talk about this, she said, Dad, you know, I had no uh, accounting classes. I had no economics classes. I didn't even have any math classes. And I said, look, I'm going to make this very simple for you. And this is going to be perhaps the most powerful tip for somebody new to an organization. I said, I want you to find somebody in the accounting department who can just give you a fundamental rudimentary knowledge of the income statement and the balance sheet. You don't have to know every item. You don't know how, have to know how they're calculated. I just want you to see how the income statement is developed and how it flows into the balance sheet. And then I said, once you got a pretty good feel for that, I want you to set up a spreadsheet, which is something she could do, that on which you're gonna track six key numbers on a quarterly basis. Very, very simple. The company published its statements, easy to find the numbers. From the, from the income statement, I want you to, to track the revenues, total revenues, total expenses, and the net income, three numbers. From the balance sheet, three numbers, total assets, total liabilities, and net equity. So you got this spreadsheet with six numbers on it. And every quarter you're updating it. It takes you maybe three minutes a quarter to update it. And I said, Dina, you're going to be the only person <laughs> that's not in the accounting department or the finance department at your company who's gonna know those numbers, who's gonna be watching the trend lines and it probably asking questions about what's happening quarter to quarter. Nobody else is gonna do that. At New York Life, you know, I had 10 or 12 people reporting to me. If I had sat in a room with them in a meeting and said, uh, how many of you could tell me what the revenues were last quarter? I mean, they'd have to guess or they'd have to go look it up. I mean, some of them would know, but not very many. And so I said, this is really gonna be a major differentiator for you. Then I said to her, ask the killer question. And I want you to ask this question exactly the way I'm, I'm saying it to you. And that is go back to the guy in account and say to him, what drives the profitability of this book? 
of, the, of this company. And I, I referenced the, uh, the Collins book where he talks about the hedgehog principle. I said, you know, there are certain things that drive the profitability. Ask him, what drives the profitability of this company, of this business? And I said, you know, don't be surprised if he says, I got to get back to you on that. <laughs> and also don't be surprised if the CEO hears that you, this girl down in the marketing department was asking that question. And he did, he did. And it really did differentiate her. And by the way, the killer question is what marketwatch.com decided to call the article <laughs> on this tip number five. In this case, it's chapter 10 of the book. So um, if you go to the next slide, um, these are the other chapters. I don't know if you could see this, so I'll just read it to you. The other chapters in the book demonstrate commitment as one, develop cultural and organizational awareness. Chapter nine, develop and demonstrate strategic thinking capability. Chapter 11, take charge of your own development. Chapter 12, prepare for over prepare for every meeting. Chapter 13, make every presentation a command performance. 14, demonstrate integrity and earn trust. 15, balance faith, family, and career. What I boldfaced here are other chapters that people have told me have been their favorite chapter. The one that doesn't surprise me at all is the one about strategic thinking capability. It really has a, a formula and a way in which you can develop strategic thinking. And the one that did surprise me is chapter 13, which was make every presentation a command performance. I really thought when I was writing that chapter, I've gone too far. There's too much detail in here. You know, people are gonna gloss right over it. And a lot of people have told me that was a meaningful chapter for them because they too have to do presentations at work. So next, next slide. Yeah, I, I just wanna say that, you know, I'm done with my presentation. I hope we have some time for questions. Um, and, and I hope you can see how God guided me through this project and, and providentially opened up a lot of doors throughout the writing and the process. And I'm, I'm really eager to watch, uh, watch him work as it moves forward. And uh, if we have some time, I'd be happy to take some questions. I'm just curious how your divinity education experience kind of launched you into your next career and retirement and you know, just meeting a bunch of the goals that you had for how you wanted to yeah. impact people in your life. Well, you know, like many of you probably, uh, you know, I was, I was pretty, uh, pretty diligent about reading the Bible daily and praying daily. But I, I you know, since I wasn't raised in a Christian family, I, I, I kind of always felt that ex, that education and development was deficient. And so the, the, the divinity school experience, which I took, it took me four years to do a two year <laughs> full-time program because I had so many other things going on. But, you know, I got to do a deep dive on the Old Testament and the New Testament. I can't say that I've committed to memory a lot of verses like many people do but I know where to go and look I know the kinds of resources to go to and and I really felt after that dinner with my daughter that you know I was called to write and 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 speak about my faith so that all came about you know really starting with the decision to go to divinity school and I'm actually on one of the boards at Yale now Yale the Yale Center for Faith and Culture which uh, is, is sort of a, uh, an island of evangelicalism within the Yale University, which you know, gives me great pleasure to be there. 
and do the kinds of things they're doing. I decided not to get ordained simply because there were so many other aspects of what I wanted to do post-retirement. And our ordination usually requires you spend a full-time year and in an internship and so forth. But I felt this really was my calling, my ability to speak and write about my faith and, and to impact people's lives through that media, through that approach. We have a question from uh, Zoom. Did you start your career living the principles in the book or were these discovered along your journey or reflecting back on your career? No, the, all of the principles in the book were things that I implemented in, and utilized throughout most of my career. I mean, I, I would say there were early days when I first, I was a teacher for a few years and then, and then went into the insurance business. I must admit there were early on, very early on in my 20s, you know, I was one of these people who felt like I'm a Christian on Sunday, I'm a family man on Saturday, and I'm, I'm a worker or an executive the rest of the week. I mean, you know, I'm sort of embarrassed to say that, but I pretty quickly came to the point of realizing, you know, I've got these spiritual gifts and I need to be all those things all of the time. And I, I say that in the book, we, we all need to be all of those things all of the time. And so the, the principles that I outlined from a biblical standpoint were so, sort of the most compelling ones that I felt were important to me. Uh, like praying, praying often in the workplace. It, not unusual for me to pray, you know, eight to 10 times a day or more, uh, because, you know, I felt like I wasn't smart enough to deal with these issues. I really felt I had to rely on the Holy Spirit to give me guidance. And I'll just tell you one quick, one quick short prayer that I found very effective was told to me by a guy named uh, a Catholic priest, Father John Ricardo. He now runs a nonprofit called Acts 29, you know, Acts 28 chapters. So he's, he's talking about the, the acts of the apostles now, the acts of all of us now. Anyway, he told me he was, he was doing pastoral care within his, his parish and taking phone calls from people who were desperate, suicidal, you know, subject to abuse or physical abuse, mental, emotional abuse, serious problems. And he said, I'd be on that call and I, I didn't know how to deal with it. And I would just say to myself, Lord, I can't, you can, please do. And he said, I really believe that through the Holy Spirit, I was going to get guidance on how to deal with those issues. And I was, I trusted it. I believed it. it happened. So, you know, I would find myself often praying in tough meetings where I didn't know what to do, dealing with personnel issues, dealing with tough business issues. And so praying was, was a very important part of my day every day. 